Hello, I'm Josiah. And I'm Jessica. We were missionaries for seven years. Until we stepped back in 2019 to seek health and re-examine our beliefs. Right now, I'm a Christian, but not an evangelical. And I'm an agnostic and also very much not an evangelical. And we are deconstructing. And reconstructing together. together. <laughs> Listen to some of our key episodes, such as... Deconstructing together. Domestic abuse. I'm a survivor. The Cult of ATI, Part 1 and 2, and Dehumanized by Purity Culture. Join us on our journey as we seek health together. Today, we want to talk about narcissism. That's a big one. Uh, we've referred to it in other episodes mm-hmm. because it's a big part of I our journey. I think it's becoming, it's on trend. I'm seeing more and more people, it might just be what we focus on in our echo chamber. But I do feel like there's more discussion about narcissism these days. Well, I think our generation in general is gearing up more towards um, health, like mm-hmm. not just physical health, but like realizing how we're whole bodies and mm-hmm. our mental health and our spiritual health and our psychological health. It's all important. Even when we talk about abuse, yeah. you know, we talk about it's not just physical abuse or sexual yeah. abuse. It's also mental abuse, psychological abuse, spiritual abuse. And that mm-hmm. ties in well with uh, narcissism. But also, I think you and I have yeah. are much more aware of it than a lot of people, um, simply because of our backgrounds. I mean, we both have some narcissism in our families, mm-hmm. and we both have had to <laughs> learn a lot about narcissism to try and find... To try and understand our past mm-hmm. and to try and make sense of it. And then also to help us know how to handle those relationships. Yeah. Um, because it's not typical. And I think for both of us, the reason, the reason people get like really, um, I want to say obsessed, but that's a negative word. But like when you discover narcissism, it's like you can't put it down. It's just, it's so engrossing. And I think that's because it turns the lights on. Well, if you're affected by it. You're affected by it. So many people aren't, and they're just like, why do you keep going on about this? But then there's a few people that just like every single one of my posts on narcissism, and then it comes out that they're like, you know, (laughs) there was this person that I just couldn't figure out, and everything about my life that connected to them was just weird until, Mm -hmm. oh, now I get it. Yeah. Well, I remember I first heard about narcissism a few years ago. I think before you did. Yeah. um, That I first heard about it. And it just made a lot of... It explained a lot of things about my father. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember trying to talk to my mom about it and it didn't work. Um, Which sometimes to have some distance helps. Yeah. Um, Just to remove yourself from that situation a little bit helps to see it more clearly. But it was kind of the start of me... Uh, learning about narcissism uh, I learned a bit about it and it was enough to be like okay here's a, a term that describes so well um, things from my childhood and this relationship and then I kind of put it aside um, and continued on with life but this year it's really or the last year and a bit it's really come up full force for both of us mm-hmm. as we our deconstructing our faith and our bringing and our bringing is so closely tied together with our faith so it comes together as we deconstruct everything yeah um 
And narcissism has come back in the picture for us to study more and learn more because it explains so much. Yeah. And as I talked about in the podcast, Domestic Abuse, I Am a Survivor, I have the unusual um, situation of being raised by two narcissists. Yeah. And usually it doesn't work that way, but my father is kind of a classic overt narcissist and my mother is kind of a classic, very strong covert narcissist. And so that when I understood those things, oh, okay, so many things make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, so a lot of things still doesn't don't make sense. Narcissism just it's a tangled, yeah. weird mess. And yet but, it's textbook. <laughs> and yet it is textbook. It's amazing when yeah. you when you learn what a narcissist is and how they work. It's like it got to the point because I was we were reading so many books at the same time. I was, you know, going no contact, but also kind of in the process of backing off for my parents. And it was like, we could call it, we knew what they were going to do next. We knew yeah. the next tactic. And then, then you get a message and it's like, Oh, this is a tactic. Which tactic is this that I just read about? Wait, okay. Oh, this, this is love bombing. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, this is gaslighting. Oh, this is. And, and like each, message clarified also like overt and covert and mm-hmm. just the different slightly different aspects of narcissism but and yet so textbook mm-hmm. um recently i had a run-in with another family member with narcissism and who's apparently must be narcissist because it was like <laughs> textbook it was mm-hmm. so textbook and i could just like call it out as well because of having research into it um so I guess like if you have someone in your life, if you're listening to this and you have someone in your life that you're not really getting like normal behavior and normal responses to behavior doesn't mm-hmm. work, then read up about narcissism because it it might explain a lot of things. Is it like 1% or... It's... Uh, no, that, that no, was psychopaths. Yeah. Anyway, it's kind of like, it's a fairly high percentage considering all and also i mean if you're listening to our podcast you might be a church uh, evangelical or ex-evangelical and one thing that in this journey we've learned is there is a definite draw for narcissists to church and to positions of power and leadership and especially pastors yes um because it gives them that power and authority Mm -hmm. (laughs) um to have the focus on them and people revolve around them Mm -hmm. um I came across the term recently, spiritual narcissism, mm-hmm. and I thought that was so good. Like, I can't find the quote. Can I now, can but... I pause you there? Yes. And we can come back to that? Yes. I want to say, I want to do a few things kind of introductory-wise, and then we'll get into specifics, and I, I'd love to get into spiritual narcissism. I do want to have a brief mention, because people can go overboard with, you know, armchair diagnosing people with narcissism and we do want to be careful with that and we want to like it it turns the lights on and it's like okay those are the tactics those are the modes but even as we think about well this is a person that acted like a narcissist in that instance sometimes people act like a narcissist and then the rest of their life isn't so much and so we like we just want to be careful about putting people in boxes right yeah but these are like when you understand the category, there are people that are very strong narcissists. There's a, there's a term called malignant narcissism for people that are like over the top narcissist. And then there'll be also people, once you learn all the strategies, you'll start to see the patterns everywhere, but not everybody who has some characteristics is a narcissist yeah. full on, right? Yeah, exactly. So we just want to, you know, 
that is a, a pitfall that people can fall into. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about kind of the definition of narcissism? Yeah, actually, I was just going to ask you, could you do a little definition of narcissism and then, um, and then afterwards, like talk about overt and covert narcissism? So, um, narcissism is a recognized personality disorder in the DSM-5, which is the diagnose, diagnostic, it's over there. (laughs) The DSM-5 is kind of the standard textbook of, uh, for psychologists, um, and it's a personality disorder, meaning unlike um, psychopaths, there's nothing wrong with the brain. There's nothing wrong with the hardware. It's a software problem. It's something that happened um, with their personality. Uh, and it seems as though it is, uh, people aren't completely sure how it develops, but it seems that there is a genetic component. Uh, there is an environmental component, how you were raised. And then there's also a decision component. And it's hard to say how much of each uh, plays in. Um but the typical story that I'm going with is um, a child perhaps is predisposed, but also at crucial times in their childhood. This is how it has happened in cases I've observed in other lives is they didn't have that nurturing and that caring and that mirroring and that love when they needed it at a certain time as a young child. And that left them not affirmed uh, and it left them, you know, some people kind of you say they act like a two-year-old all the time or they act like a four-year-old. Some people kind of get stuck at a certain mm-hmm. point in their development. And because they didn't get that love and that affirmation and, and being told or communicated that they are valuable for who they are, they're always trying to fill that void with something, with affirmation, with praise, with um, with feeling important. And they're... Um, like a lot of people have that need to feel important and some people end up uh, actually going the other way, becoming they need to make everybody else around them happy. That's something that's called a codependent. But uh, a narcissist figures out, I need to feel important and I don't care what I have to do to get it. I'm going to get it out of people around me no matter what. And so then they start seeing people around them as objects and people to be used and um, they're going to start using people around them. They're going to find all these different ways to use people to get to to make themselves seem important and to get admiration, get praise, make people pay attention to them. And so the classic narcissist, the reason that narcissism is more discussed these days is because people that know anything about narcissists say, well, Donald Trump is your classic narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing that's interesting about narcissists is they don't care if they're getting positive attention or negative attention. Yeah. The thing they can't stand is being ignored. Yeah. Which is why a lot of con- a lot of people are saying these days just stop paying attention to Trump. You know, he's going to keep on doing his thing. Just stop paying attention to it. You know, that's 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 kryptonite to them. Because positive affirmation or negative affirmation, either way, they're on your mind. They're in the center of your world. They're causing you um to think about them and that's what they need and it is a little bit sad in the sense that they feel as though they need to get that attention all the time like on a minute by minute basis to feel okay with themselves because there is this deep sense of of insecurity yeah. like a crushing crippling sense of insecurity that they just can't handle a trauma or wound and, or... and there's something there that's like wow that that is crushingly sad but also yeah. they cause so much damage and chaos around them that it's like you just need to, at a certain point, get away from them. Yeah, you can have compassion, but also draw boundaries. Yeah, 
and you need to draw boundaries with these people. For sure. Uh, and so there's overt and covert narcissists. And your overt narcissist is the, the person that you'll notice, somebody like a Donald Trump that'll be out in your space and that'll be loud and that'll be often end up being your pastor or end up being uh, the CEO of the company because they look for those positions of status and they work hard to get those positions so that they can make life revolve around them because that's what they like. But then you also have an a covert narcissist who has that same crushing need to be needed and to be in the center of everybody's world, but they don't have the same ability to uh, exert power. And so they'll find sneaky ways um, to force people to, uh, to the covert narcissist is a little bit harder to unpack. Um, so maybe we can just, it's more hidden. It's, it's more discreet. It's mm-hmm. more behind the scenes. Like the, the, overt you can see it mm-hmm. it's obvious the covert it's not obvious you don't know right away mm-hmm. like it it it's more track record mm-hmm. <laughs> that will show you that they are constantly manipulating and twisting things their way to get the attention and the to be the focus of people's world yeah the, the best way i could describe a uh, covert narcissist is to think of some of the f- the video the movies that you're familiar with such as lion king or snow white if you think about scar in lion king and how he was envious and bitter but then found ways to undermine people until he could get into a position of power Mm. or if you think of if you know norse mythology loki and how he undermined power until he could he could dethrone people and get into a position of power or else the witch in so many movies uh, presents herself as a beautiful queen, but really she's a witch. Right. And she gives somebody a poison, an apple that looks beautiful, but really it's poisonous. You know, so there's kind of this duality to yeah. um, to the to a person. It's ties to everything. Like there's this ties to everything. Yeah. Every word, every compliment, every gift, everything has a tie. Or is that what you call yeah. it? A tie. Like everything is is. It's not a free gift. It's not a free gift. (laughs) There's poison in the apples. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, covert narcissism. I've got a podcast on that. You can go back and listen to it. And uh, it's it's really fascinating because when you realize that you have a covert narcissist in your life somewhere, all of a sudden the lights turn on, even more than overt narcissism. Yeah. It's just like discovering this spider web of connections that all trace back to one person. And it becomes very, very toxic and hard to detach from it. It's very hard to detach from it. Yeah. Yeah. So it sometimes, well, what we found in our experience, the best way to start to see more clearly these tactics is to reduce contact. Because if you're not getting the constant fuel, Mm -hmm. um, the constant input from them, then you can think more clearly you can see things more clearly for what it is um so i think that's really important so often if you study narcissism like you'll get into terms like stonewalling uh gray rock rock, um low contact or no contact um so like like gray rock do you want to explain that one yeah gray rock is a really really interesting term uh as far as how do you cut off the power source because the the narcissist 
you would think that yelling in their face is going to make them go away, but actually that's fuel for them. That's energy. You're giving them your attention. So the best thing you can do is a technique called gray rock where you're just bored of them. And if they ask you all the personal intimate details about your life, oh, how's, how's the kids? How's, how's your love life? How's, how's the job? How's this? It's just everything is boring. And you tell them in the most boring possible way, everything's good, everything's good, everything's good. And it, it starves them because they're looking for that drama. They're looking for that, that hit of, oh, there's a problem in your life. Okay, well, your life is worse than mine, so I can feel good. Or there's a problem I can fix. Or so, you know, They're looking for drama. They're continually looking for something. And the gray rock method is just a way of being like, everything's good. My life is good. It's not amazingly Very good. It's just information. I'm just about as interesting as a gray rock. Go look at somebody else for drama. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really powerful tactic. If you have somebody that has just kind of narcissistic tendencies or a narcissist at work where you have limited contact, you can just kind of gray rock them and typically they'll kind of go away. Yeah. Until they try again and again, but you just yeah. keep gray. You keep gray rocking them until they figure out that yeah. if they want drama, they need to go to somebody else. Yeah. So another thing we learned about this year is the low contact or no contact. And that mm -hmm. really depends on personal cases, but it's definitely something to consider. Um, that when I was still a Christian, <laughs> I read a book called, we read a book together called The Christian Guide to No Contact mm -hmm. by Sister Renee Patelli. Patelli. Um, and that was really interesting book because, um, yeah, she just really lays out what it'll look like and mm -hmm. what to expect, how to expect the narcissist to react, how mm -hmm. to... And she um, was on point. And she was on point. <laughs> when we talk about textbook, mm -hmm. it was textbook in our experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so many times I was that in-between like person to... Between you and your parents and so many times you tell me like, oh, this is the next thing that they're going to do. And it was, mm -hmm. and sometimes it took a few weeks, but it still was the next thing it yeah. did. Like, so textbook. Um, so yeah, in terms of like low contact and no contact, I think that's a personal decision. Like they are constantly adding toxi toxicity to life um, mm -hmm. when they're very, yeah, with narcissism. Um, and if that's not something you can handle, then you really have to ask yourself, what am I getting out of this relationship? And is yeah. it worth the toxicity that they're bringing to my life? Mm -hmm. um, and then to go low contact or no contact. Um, and there is lots of good resources out there to learn about low contact and no contact. Mm -hmm. At this point, I'm low contact with my father. Um, meaning I don't answer phone calls because... The last one sent me to bed for hours just to recover. And it was a completely, quote unquote, harmless phone call. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just like ongoing that just escalated to the point where I couldn't even handle it anymore. So I no longer answer phone calls. I keep things to text or email. That's it. Um, where I can read it when I'm ready. I can reread it to see the underlying manipulation or... Um, or um, Gaslighting. Gas <laughs> That's the word yeah. I was looking for um, in it. Uh, so I haven't cut contact completely. But for your parents, we knew that no matter what we did, no matter what little amount we might be willing to do, 
would be such a huge backlash mm -hmm. that there was no possibility of even going low contact mm -hmm. with them. So, well, we sort of tried a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the, it was horrible, the mm -hmm. backlash and the, the, the gaslighting and manipulation. And like, it was just, it was definitely textbook, but to the extreme. And at that, like, we had to go no contact. Um, whether that's forever or not, who knows? But mm -hmm. we have no, yeah. So it, it, it's something to consider and research um, if you're dealing with a narcissist. Yeah. And definitely reduce contact drastically and keep it super superficial to give yourself time and space to process what's mm -hmm. going on. And uh, that was a part, a big part of it for you. Just reducing contact gave you the space where you weren't putting all your mental energy trying to figure out what they kept adding on for you to figure out in yeah. your mind. But it gave you the space to be able to figure out the patterns that have been existing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Because for narcissists, like they create a world, and they're at the center of the world, and their need for fuel is at the center of their world. And um, there's this cycle that, pe that people talk about with um, of recruitment, where they will idealize a person and then devalue the person, and eventually they will discard the person. Um, so in the recruitment phase, they're, you know, you're the most wonderful person ever, you're amazing, and, and they just shower the person with so much love and affirmation. There's this term love bombing, where they just say all the things that the person wants to hear. And then they send start send all the gifts. Send all the <laughs> gifts, and you know one of the children gets all the gifts, and the person doesn't get as much. You know, and whatever. Like, there's somebody chosen as the recipient of all the blessings and praise, kind of like in the Bible, like uh, the coat of many colors uh, on one of the children, whichever Joseph. Joseph, yeah. <laughs> Drawing a blank here. Um, like that family wasn't healthy with some of the dynamics you can analyze some of those if you'd like um but then there's this they start to devalue them because they want everybody in their circle to be off balance and desperate to have that love and they create like this chemical addiction like everybody loves to be praised and and have all those things said to them they say all the things they want but then they pull back so that you want to have that again so then you're desperate to have their praise and affirmation and of course if it's your parent you already want their praise and affirmation that's the most important people in the world to you for most of you and your a life. child needs that and a child needs that absolutely but narcissistic parents they can't help themselves they will do this with their children they will triangulate they will uh gaslight they will um idealize and then devalue and then there's the discard phase where they will literally just cut you off mm -hmm. and at that i wash point, my hands off i wash my hands of you and that can be extremely hurtful because for them, it costs them nothing. Yeah. And you realize that they actually had no emotions involved in this at all. They yeah. were only, it was only one-sided receiving fuel from you. Yeah. And so that's what puts people, especially if they've been romantically discarded, they, they get desperate and like, what did I do wrong? And they try and get the person back and it puts people in these crazy cycles. But when... And that's why when you finally figure out narcissism, you figure out, well, that's what well, all the craziness was about, right? Makes so much sense. And for me with my parents and for you to a lesser degree, like it's almost like they put you under a spell mm -hmm. and you're not sane. Like you're not, there's a, there's a certain insanity that's being pumped into your brain because of this 
all these craziness and, and all these crazy games and everything as you're thinking about a con as I would think about a conversation calling them on the phone well what am I going to talk about I'll talk about my life okay well if I say this then then she'll compare herself to that if I say this then he'll you know want to say this and it'll get into this topic and yeah. I can't go there and you know just I don't want to be devalued yeah but then I also don't want to give them fuel you know, and so it would just yeah. become this this complete mind. It was game. like a whole week of mentally preparing yourself for a phone call, mm -hmm. and then a whole week to process the phone call. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Because all the words had hidden meanings. Because and... there's so much hidden meanings. Yeah, yeah. So the the point and of sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and visits were visits are the same thing. Like mm -hmm. every visit, we would have to book a week after to recover from a two day visit. Mm -hmm. And so that's the point of getting low contact or no contact because you need to figure out who you are. Yeah, it's your life. That. That's not your yeah. life. It's your life. You need to live your life. And they will try to push you in. They will make you weak. They will try to make you yeah. weak. Even your own parents will make you weak because they want, they would prefer that you serve them than that you spread your wings and fly and be your own person and yeah. have your own ideas and, and whatever. Yeah. They, they need to have that fuel. They yeah. need to have that that sense that, that they are the most important thing in your life. Even if they have to cripple you to get it, that's what they will do, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. A term I came across recently is uh, spiritual narcissism. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting. I don't think... I haven't come across much about it. Um, so that's, I think that's why it kind of stood out to me uh, as I'm working through some of my baggage from the past. Um and about narcissism, and for me, I think that, well, you had a lot of religion mixed in with your narcissism mm -hmm. in your background, too. Um, but for me, that was huge. Like, the narcissism was extremely closely tied to spirituality. Yeah. Um, so I'll just read this quote that I thought, heard, or that I came across on spiritual narcissism that I thought was so good. It says, spiritual narcissists often use their spirituality to justify harmful behaviors and use spiritual jargon to intimidate others. Neo explains, You see, the narcissist needs to project an idealized version of himself to escape his broken, insecure self, she says. And spiritual narcissists use seemingly sensitive and spiritual actions as a way to elevate themselves above others. Mm -hmm. Neo says young people or people who have experienced significant upheaval like a move or a divorce are more vulnerable to the spiritual narcissist captivating dynamic influence. If someone you know uses their spirituality as a tool to manipulate or belittle you, separate from them. Mm -hmm. I just thought, wow, when I read that, it was like a light bulb. Like it just unpeeled a whole layer of my childhood to process. Um, because that is my experience in so much of the church mm -hmm. and spirituality is is spirituality being used to and spiritual jargon being used to intimidate to uh, manipulate to belittle mm -hmm. um, while but coded in a captivating dynamic influence mm -hmm. it's just wow. I need a whole book on this. I haven't come across one, but I haven't yeah. looked too, too much yet. But it's like, that was a whole light bulb moment, mm -hmm. spiritual narcissism. And I, I want to just briefly mention, like, 
because you can you can get into a lot of different like compound words with narcissism like covert overt intellectual narcissist uh histrionic narcissist etc and it can get confusing i think that covert and overt narcissist is kind of the basic yeah but narcissism overlaps with so many things for sure it's kind of like your base model car and then you can have a lot of accessories <laughs> yeah and some people accessorize quite a bit yeah like and and like some narcissists are psychopaths or sociopaths right or uh have borderline personality disorder or have a lot of other yeah. conditions combined um and then when narcissism gets mixed with christianity or with spirituality i'm sure it exists within islam and mm -hmm. hinduism and all sorts of different things all of a sudden these different dynamics come out and the same dynamics that that might play out in a workplace for example will play out in a church only there's so much more power in a church yeah there's so much more power when you have when like religion touches all of, of you and you have the authority of god <laughs> and nobody can question you yeah theory i mean depending on how i mean you do it what you were saying about the narcissism and there's these different little categories or something but like this is still narcissism it's just it is. using spirituality yeah. but you read the definition and it's it's still the basic definition mm -hmm. that you gave earlier of narcissism yeah. it's just here you add in using spirituality for mm -hmm. it um and that just can be helpful to hear the specific yeah like the description definition of narcissism but like put into a spiritual like yeah. how it looks within spirituality because to some of us like me that just hits the nail on the head just so precisely um i already knew there was narcissism there but add in this definition of spirituality and it's like ah, uh, that's how it all connects mm -hmm. <laughs> that's where there's so much hurt and pain and abuse um and you know because some of us were raised basically that you don't question your father or your pastor because mm. they are Romans 13 whatever authority there is God has appointed them you know so you don't question those yeah. people but they're not perfect and sometimes no. they're very wounded people yeah that very much um are are using their positions as a way to feed their own needs and to harm people significantly yeah. So I have an idea here. Yep. Uh, I have five tactics here that I wanted to talk about. Yep. And I wonder if we could talk about these tactics in the sense of spiritual abuse or sp like spiritual through narcissist lens. through the lens of, of spiritual narcissist. Okay. All right. So here's the tactic, gaslighting. What would gaslighting Ooh. look like through a narcissistic so what is gaslighting pastor? Gaslighting again? Gaslighting is denying or, under or undermining somebody's sense of reality. So, example, um, husband comes home from work and wife is tired too, but he comes home and says, well, I guess you've just been sitting around watching TV all day, huh? Undermining her sense of she's actually been busy all day. She has a right to be tired. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's one example. You can shift somebody's reality. You can undermine their sense of what is real. You think of an example of gaslighting and spirituality <laughs> i mean it just makes me think of uh what is seen as passing away but what is unseen is eternal the verse and you can just spiritualize everything and you yeah. can you know if if somebody is 
is having a hard day or somebody is trying to grieve something you can say well you know like the spiritual reality is that you know we're all going to heaven it's all going to be wonderful um maybe that's spiritual bypassing which would be a little bit different spiritual bypassing is kind of similar Mm -hmm. in a way it's like using spirituality to diminish the human need the Mm -hmm. human condition like we are humans but then you use spirituality to diminish it and make you go away like why are you so offended at what i said i hope you have a good day smiley face yes now that's gaslighting i think it is how in in christian church talk oftentimes we will say things that are cutting and mean yeah but then say it with a churchy smile or a smiley emoji on facebook or say god bless you at the end yes or love you yeah right (laughs) if it's family (gasps) say something super unloving and then say i love you so much and i'm never going to give up on loving you yes then how are you supposed to respond to that yeah that's what they're doing they're making it you be the the person at fault almost like you can't like you're being mean if you reply because they wrote it so cheerfully Mm -hmm. a classic gaslighting example is somebody that will start arguing with you I can't believe you believe this, la, 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 la. And then you'll respond and say, well, the reason I believe this is X, Y, and Z. And then they'll say, well, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. It's like, well, hold on a second. You're the one that started. I'm so hurt at what you said. Well, (laughs) now you're being the victim. Like you're. So person A comes to person B and says, you hurt me. And then person B says, wow. Like that, that really hurts me that you would be hurt by that. <laughs> yeah. I thought our friendship was better than, you know, whatever. And now you're trying to stoke their ego. Yeah. When they're the ones who came. And it's like, okay, you. never mind, never mind. I just forget I even said it, you know, and like we're wonderful yeah. friends, you know, and then you're, you're playing catch up to try and fix yeah. it. Yeah. Um, there's so many ways. What about breaking down? Um, narcissists break people down to make them small, to make them weak. Yeah. Can you think of how that would work in a spiritual well, narcissistic? I mean, the biggest example, I guess, is like you're a terrible sinner yeah. who deserve hell and there's nothing good about you. The only good thing about you is Jesus through you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, so I'm nothing. I'm garbage. I'm useless. Why am I even alive? I guess just so that God can be a, so I can be a vessel. Mm-hmm. And being a vessel, does that mean that the pastor gets to ask you to do childcare, even though if you don't want to do childcare or... You know, well, like, you, and God will, God will work through your weaknesses, and God will be even more glorified through your weaknesses than mm-hmm. if you use your strength. So it's convenient to break people down well, and call them yeah. sinners and terrible people because then you can use them for church as little minions, right? You can make them do anything you want. <laughs> the cycle of idealize, devalue, and discard. Mm. I feel like. That that might be hard to put your finger on, but I feel like it happens. I feel like... Idealize, devalue, discard. I feel like the process of evangelism, you know, like you... Yes. You try and make connections with people and like, come on, like just come to church. You value and... them so much. You give so much time to their relationship because yeah. you want to save them. But then once they're there, it's kind of like, oh, well, actually, you got to stop doing these things and start doing those things. And then you have to join the social club and it's awkward and it's. Yeah. Or or once once you get this really good friendship established, Mm -hmm. that is one way, but they don't know that. Oh, they become saved. They become a number. 
Like, mm-hmm. ooh, I brought someone to the gospel. And now you can discard them because they're safe forever. Because yeah. once saved, always saved. So mm-hmm. now you can move on to the next. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of a cycle. Of... And I, I mean, guess that's not narcissism necessarily. Well, I mean, I think it can be. And, you know, I'm sure that not everybody is callous about how they do that. No. And people care about people. and But some are. But some are. And for some people, it is just a competition. It is a way yeah. of, of proving that they have worth of some yeah. sort. Um, all right. Triangulation, love bombing. Um, well, the, um, terms to look into if yeah. this is something that is piquing curiosity or that is like hitting a nerve. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, another term that I thought I'd bring up briefly here is called stonewalling and mm-hmm. I have had that happen a few times recently with my narcissist <laughs> mm-hmm. um, narcissists have a pattern of choosing to shut down conversations they don't want to engage in by making statements like I'm not going to argue with you why do you think I work so much I don't want to be home with you you make it miserable enough this conversation is over it's like called stonewalling Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because lately I've had it where I'm trying to have a hard conversation with my father and he just shuts it down. I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. I'm like, all right, well, you're allowed to have that boundary, but just know the consequences of it is that you can't have a relationship mm-hmm. if it's not two way and if you don't have the hard conversations. Um, or if you react emoji to a message with an angry face and then you never com- communicate again, that's tunnelling. It's mm-hmm. just putting an end to the conversation. Done. Because they just shut it down. That keeps them... The, they feel like they have the power then. Yeah. Um, and they also don't have to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that we have to have uncomfortable relation, uh, conversations yeah. in any balanced relationship. Yeah. If you just shut down someone, you cannot keep having a conversation with them. You cannot keep having a relationship. If someone keeps shutting you down, that just does not work. And that's definitely a narcissist um, te- tactic, mm-hmm. stonewalling. Um, I had one more thing to say. Like sometimes we hear about this, like, oh, well, I do that or I do this. Like I, I have that narcissist Can tendency. Can I pause you for the stonewalling? Yes. Um, let me ask you. I have the answer to this question, but I'm curious what you would think. What's okay. the difference between stonewalling and no contact? Well, that's a good question. So stonewalling is what the narcissist does. Mm-hmm. The narcissist stops your con- your the conversation. He will continue. He or she will continue the conversation as long as it benefits them. Yeah. But as soon as it gets too close and too personal and too much, where they have to acknowledge the wrongdoing, they shut it down. Mm-hmm. They they stonewall it. Whereas a no contact or low contact, it's the the it's the victim, the person who's being who is in touch with a narcissist that has the power to choose to be low contact or no contact. So it gives you back some power in your life, some control Mm -hmm. in your life where the narcissist is not always reacting, um, not always in control of where this is going. Uh, Mm -hmm. You get to do it. Um, But also, I guess maybe you meant this um, with a low contact or no contact is you're not doing it to shut down a hard conversation. Yeah. You're doing it because the narcissist won't listen. Mm-hmm. You've tried and tried to have a decent 
two-way relationship and it does not work and they refuse to acknowledge any wrong and you're like this is useless like this is not working um i think for both of us we are at a place where we would be willing to have a conversation a, a relationship with these narcissists in our families if they were willing yeah. to make changes and to work at it like we're not trying to punish them mm-hmm. no I think that's the crucial difference Mm -hmm. because Stonewall is a punishment. Yes. Because when we're having, like, if you can imagine this conversation and all of a sudden I just stop talking. Yeah. Like that'd be like, that'd be hurtful. Right. And it stings and you remember that sting. And then the next time you come to that conversation, you're thinking, is it worth it? Yeah. You know? And so it, it's a way of training you to do what the narcissist wants you to do. Yeah. Whereas a, a boundary, like at a certain point, there's certain things in any relationship. We've got a podcast about, uh, boundaries in marriage and how we have boundaries in our marriage and we respect each other's boundaries and we communicate about boundaries. And so sometimes the boundaries shift if we mutually think they should, but some people, they just don't respect your boundaries. Yeah. And if they continue over and over, over, and and over. you set a boundary, um, they might respect it once or twice and then they push it. There's a joke. Uh, why did the narcissist cross the road? Cause he told him not to. <laughs> Because they thought it was a boundary. <laughs> if you know a narcissist, it's funny. Yeah. It's like anytime you set a boundary. Even if it like was that a detour for where they're going. Yeah. If it's a boundary, they'll cross it. It's it's like that four-year-old kid that just has to stick their foot across the line. And it's like, yes. why? <laughs> like, just... <laughs> just have some respect. So at a certain point, it's like, if you won't respect any of my boundaries... You're not respecting me as a human being. And I can't be a human being in the way that I want to be a human being with you in my life because you just don't respect me. You want to use me. And I refuse to be used. So at a certain point, you just have to say, I'm done letting this person walk all over me. And there's no two ways about it. Either they use me like a pawn in their twisted little world or else they don't have access to me. Those yeah. are the only two modes that some people have. Yeah. It's unfortunately. not punishment. It's taking back control of your life. Yeah. And it's respecting yourself enough to put a boundary. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So what were you going to say about... Um... Well, I... One question... One thing that we've heard before from some people is like, well, I have some of these tendencies. Am I a narcissist? Mm-hmm. And, and the answer usually is, well, if you're wondering... Mm-hmm. You're probably not a narcissist <laughs> because narcissists don't usually think it applies to them at all. But they will think of 10 other people mm-hmm. that, oh, they must be a narcissist. But they will never see it in themselves. They'll never self-reflect enough mm-hmm. to see any wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that does not mean you shouldn't self-reflect and see if there's some things that you need to change in your life. Mm-hmm. Like some tendencies. Yes. Narcissists tendencies and narcissism um, i should have said that in the beginning that it is something that exists on a spectrum yeah so you can have yeah. that's yeah. why some people you can have limited contact some of them low contact and some no contact because it is a spectrum mm-hmm. um and there's just it's relational you know there's so like relational is not cut and dry as much like we say it's textbook like narcissists can be very textbook and it and that is definitely what we found very textbook but at the same time the way that you react to a narcissist in your life will vary depending on the level of contact there is depending on if they're in the family or just workplace or you know like it Mm -hmm. so it's just good to 
understand their mindset better so you know how to reply, how to react in a way that does not keep you stuck with them, mm-hmm. like in their cycle. They mm-hmm. don't keep playing you and you don't keep adding fuel to them. Um, yeah. A, f- a full-on malignant narcissist, malignant narcissist meaning like absolute consumed by this condition they have no empathy they might be able to make themselves cry they might do things that seem kind yeah but really they have no empathy no you can make yourself look like you're concerning but it's all manipulation and and there are religious people that are very involved in the community and doing all these things and people think they're wonderful people but then their children will tell you not at all not at home not for us. It's all visit. It's all, you know, like Jesus it's talked about the Pharisees. It's all yeah. for praise of men. And by doing that, you get the attention you want in the yeah. community. But at home, you need your control. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you're questioning yourself, am I a narcissist? Well, do you have empathy? Do you, do you <laughs> sincerely care about other people? Yeah. And the other thing that a real narcissist won't have is self reflection. Mm-hmm. They're not capable of standing separate from themselves and being like. Is this me? The closest that they will get is to say something like, oh, well, fine then. I guess I'm a terrible person. But that's yeah. just a tactic. They're not and really fake, looking at themselves. fake apologies. Fake apologies, yeah. Like, you can fake an apology because, oh, well, if I fake it, then this person will stay in my control. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they don't even all apologize. Mm-hmm. But some of them will just... They'll they'll make it sound like it was an apology, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. If you really stop and see it, that's where it, it's helpful to see it in writing instead of here, mm-hmm. like verbal. Like you see it in writing, you're like, wait a minute, that was not an apology. Mm-hmm. They almost got me again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, this is one of the tactics we haven't talked about, or we we've alluded to is love bombing because that's what a narcissist will tend to do. Instead of saying, like, if I bumped into you and hurt you, right? That's the offense. And and you said, hey, you can't do that. Don't just bump into me like I'm nothing. I could say, oh, I'm sorry I hurt you. That's a sim- simple, sincere apology. Or I could say, I just, I just want you so much in my life. I just, I wish we could just get past this. Yeah. Have I, have I owned anything that I did wrong? Nope. Have I admitted any guilt? No. Have I drawn you in emotionally by my words? Yep. <laughs> Now, all of a sudden, I'm looking into your eyes and saying, I just need you so much. Can we just get past this? Well, okay, now you're love bombing me. Now you're you're showering me with love. But we've just sidestepped the fact that you crossed my boundaries. Yeah. And that is a textbook narcissist ploy. Yeah. They will not take ownership. They will not change their behaviors. If you really call them on their shit, then they'll start love bombing you and say, well, oh, I, lo- I need you so much in my in my life and, and mm-hmm. things haven't been the same since you've been gone and whatever. Yeah. Or or make try and make you feel bad for them. Oh, like it would be so bad if you weren't in my life and mm-hmm. and trying to play the pity game. Yeah. It's manipulation, but it's very um, discreet. Like it. Well, not all the time, but especially with overt, overt, covert, mm-hmm. overt, the more covert covert it's harder to see it it is hard and spot it but it's there and once mm-hmm. you see it you can't unsee you it. Can't unsee it no <laughs> yeah yeah last question is do narcissists change that's a good question 
It's a really important question for somebody that realizes they're married to a narcissist. Yes. And the answer in the literature that I've read, I am not an expert, just so you know. Okay, I'm full disclosure. Um... I'm not going to try and... and We may have read dozens of books on it, but we're not experts. I'm passionate about saying that because so often pastors pretend to be an expert on everything. And I just want to let people know what I'm an expert on and what I am a layperson on. But from my research, it seems as though, especially when you're talking about a malignant narcissist, they won't really change. Now, if you're... They won't really change? They won't change. They won't change. They will love bomb you. They will give you the good side of themselves. They will be on their best behavior and then they'll say something like well how much do you expect how much do you expect me to keep this up because it's hard hard work for them to pretend to be a decent human being and so that's different than somebody that perhaps has some narcissistic tendencies especially if they're a little bit younger teenage mid-20s and they realize they have some of these tendencies they have a wake-up call and you know they commit to change perhaps there's hope but it you know somebody's if somebody is really a 10 out of 10 narcissist, it doesn't seem like they're going to change because they don't have that empathy and they don't have that ability to self-reflect. Yeah. So they don't have the basic tools to change Yeah. or the motivation to change. That would have been my answer too. When you asked yeah. the question, I was like, do narcissists change? My answer was like, no, they don't. Yeah. Narcissists do not change. They can temporarily change their behavior, like mm-hmm. you said, uh, to get you to stay. Yeah. Um, and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. They can respect your boundary a couple of times and then they're going to start pushing on it yep. until they get through. And then you're constantly having to re-put up the boundary. So it gets exhausting. It's exhausting and it gets worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely, if you're married to a narcissist, I am really sorry. Mm-hmm. That's really and sorry. I fully support you if you are considering a divorce. Oh, For nothing I would other say, than... For your kid's sake and for your own sake, yeah. get out. Even if he's a Christian and even yeah. if he has not been unfaithful, even if and he's I'm a saying this as a Christian, <laughs> um, there comes a time when you're you're playing a two per, you're playing ping pong, but you're the only one swinging a paddle. This is your only life. Your is only that life. really yeah. how you want to live your one and only life? Mm-hmm. God gave you a life because He wants you to live. Mm-hmm. Being stuck in the mind games is no way to live yeah and it may be hell to get out mm-hmm. but it there will it will be hell to get out narcissists. but it will change you will get yeah. healing professional help mm-hmm. <laughs> seek professional help and there is freedom afterwards mm-hmm. like it i don't know i say all that and i kind of have to hear it myself because i'm having a really really hard time letting go of my Low contact narcissist. Mm-hmm. Father, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine being married to one. So. I absolutely can't imagine. And seek help. Yeah. Women shelters are probably trained in in some of that, I would think. And there's men that are married to covert narcissists, overt narcissists yes. as well. And that is yeah. another terrible thing. Yeah. Um, we don't hear that one as much, but it's there. The bottom line is the narcissist likely won't change like 99% will not change so you need to decide how you will behave towards them yeah and perhaps if you set up very strict boundaries with the full knowledge that if they do not keep these boundaries you're gone and that needs to be part of it your follow through yeah is I'm leaving if you won't follow these 
they might respect them enough that you can work out a situation yeah. and, and live with it depending on the, the level of their condition. Or you might realize in short order, if I work. can't serve them, they're not interested in yeah. me. They're only interested and in I me serving say, them. And I would say keep notes of everything. Write yeah. down so that they can't gaslight you. You can mm-hmm. go back and see what actually happened you can go back and check your own memory Mm -hmm. for yourself just keep really good track of things um and also there are some really good facebook groups yes facebook Um, groups are awesome quiet or quiet some private Mm -hmm. uh secret or like private facebook groups where you can get support from Mm -hmm. people who actually understand i mean i made the mistake one time of writing about my situation with a narcissist uh on the book on the group that was not for narcissists and the advice I got was not helpful. It was not mm-hmm. good from what I knew about narcissism. I knew I needed to disregard this advice. So there is something there. Like they're not the normal person. <laughs> so. This is so important. I, I can't believe we haven't said this before. Like all the advice that applies to a normal human being does not apply to narcissists. No. It does not work. And that includes all the Christian. Yes. Like, like the Bible will tell you how to be a decent human being with the majority of life situations. It gives you basic wisdom. It doesn't work with narcissists. You can't love them to repentance. You can't submit, you can't them submit them to, 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 to repentance. repentance. You can't. Yeah. Like it just doesn't work. No. It you can't just pray about it and it'll change. No. <laughs> it doesn't work. No. And so that's why you need those groups of other people that have dealt with narcissists and figured yeah. out, okay, these are the things that absolutely don't work yes. with narcissists. Yeah. So seek the help you need mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And here's some keywords you can search for. Just searching for these keywords in Amazon to look for books or Facebook groups. Narcissism, overt narcissism, covert narcissism, spiritual narcissist, gaslighting, fuel, Love bombing. Stonewalling. Stonewalling. Gray rock. Those are really great words to do searches for, and you'll find a lot of great resources and information. And we just hope that this helps you as you seek to... uh, Seek health. Seek health. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today, and um, subscribe for more. We have more episodes coming. And also look at the back archived ones. There's some really great ones that have happened. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.